Welcome to the Town Learning Show podcast series, episode 69 with independent learning tech analyst John Lay. Today, I interview Amy Copeland, executive director of the Amy Copeland Foundation, about their use of community microlearning to eliminate barriers between accessibility and nature. You can find more of our fiercely independent content at talentedlearning.com. Well, welcome back, listeners, and thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of the Town to Learning Show podcast. On this show, I am fortunate to interview experts in extended enterprise learning technology from both the vendor and the practitioner points of view. Today's no different, but maybe better. Our guest today is Amy Copeland. Amy is a motivational speaker, psychotherapist, clinical social worker, activist, yoga instructor, competitive swimmer, and executive director of the Amy Copeland Foundation, as well as All-Terrain Georgia program. She holds master's degrees in psychology and social work and certifications as a clinical hypnotherapist and a clinical trauma provider. Oh, yeah, she's also the founder of the Asheville Center for Inner Healing and the Grand Park Consulting Group. Wow. Most importantly, she's on a mission to remove the barriers between accessibility and nature. All Terrain Georgia, her foundation's partnership, strategic partnership with the state of Georgia, does exactly that in the state parks of Georgia by deploying a fleet of highly accessible all-terrain chairs that can be reserved gratis for hiking, fishing, camping, and many other outdoor activities. Like many things in life, online learning is a big part of this program's strategy and success. Today, we're going to learn all about Amy's personal story, her foundation, the All-Terrain Georgia program, their community micro-learning and certification program, their positive impact in the world, plans for the future, as well as receive some stage advice and guidance. That's a lot. Let's get going. Amy, welcome to the Town to Learning Show podcast. It's great to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Honored to be here. All right. Well, we just met uh, not too long ago, and I learned about your foundation and your mission, and I wanted to participate and share not only the information about uh, the foundation and your mission in life, and but just as importantly for the listeners here on Talented Learning to uh, to learn about the learning technology and the innovative uses for that and how it can be applied to all different kinds of things uh, in life. And so in today's session, we're going to get a chance to really learn about, uh, both and, uh, learn how you approach things uh, and how you think about things at the foundation. So, uh, in any case, it's great to have you here, but maybe we should start at the top. I'm getting ahead of myself and tell us about the foundation, why you started it a little bit about your story, please. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll have to rewind to almost 12 years ago. It was, May 1st of 2012, and I was a recent graduate from the University of Georgia, studying at the University of West Georgia in a unique field called eco-psychology. So I was interested in being a wilderness therapist and taking people out in the woods for healing purposes. And I'm an avid nature lover. And so on this particular day, it was after a shift at the local breakfast restaurant where I waitressed at that one of my fellow waitresses invited me to come over to her house where she rented from a gentleman who had a very large tract of land. And I'd been meaning to go over there and check out the river and some of the plants that she was growing. And on that day, it was a, a few of us uh, from the restaurant and we were wading along the little Tallapoosa River when we stumbled upon this old homemade zip line, which 
really was more like a dog runner with handlebars, <laughs> but I'm from the South. And when we see a rope swing or some boards going up a tree, we don't ask. Or a dog anything. handle. Or a dog runner with handlebars. <laughs> we just kind of jump off of it. And that's what we did. And it was actually on my second go on the zip line that the zip wire snapped and I fell into the very sharp rocks that were below the zip line, cutting my left leg really, really badly. The worst I'd ever been cut. It took 22 surgical staples to close up that wound. I was on crutches. Um, but what we didn't know that in that wound, I had actually contracted a very rare bacteria called Aramonas hydrophilia which then sort of turned into necrotizing fasciitis, the flesh-eating bacteria. Within three days, I was septic. The infection was in my bloodstream. I was on full life support, had to be life-flighted out to doctor's hospital in Augusta, Georgia, where they immediately amputated my entire left leg at the hip. And over the course of the next couple of weeks, due to some of the medications, vasopressin, which I was on, all the veins and capillaries in my hands and my right foot also collapsed, had to be amputated. So I effectively became a quadruple amputee in a matter of a month. And when I went to rehab, inpatient rehab, I thought, well, you know, those hikes in the woods probably won't be happening anymore. But the longer I laid there watching daytime television, surrounded by other people in hospital beds, watching daytime television, just kind of saw, wow, this is the population that needs ecotherapy the most. This is the population that is most alienated from the natural world. So I went on to get a second master's degree in social work following my injury with a focus on people with disabilities and nature and did a lot of research, uh, learning about all of the secondary disorders and disabilities that happen due to people with disabilities being indoor and sedentary. And that just fired me up and made me realize how important this was. And my mission became bridging the gap between nature and accessibility, which was a very interesting problem because how do we make nature accessible without making it the built world. I wanted to keep it wild. So no boardwalks, no sidewalks and realized it was going to take technology to create that. And my first Google search was where's those hoverboards that I was promised in back to the future. <laughs> they don't exist yet. So I found the next best thing, um, tried out a lot of adaptive all-terrain wheelchairs and identified the action track chair as the chair that allowed me the most versatility and independence. And so I set off then to start this foundation and raise money and raise supporters so that we could get these chairs into the local communities so people can you know, live and play with their family and friends, as opposed to having to go to a special park or you know somewhere outside of their community. And it's really just kind of evolved from there. Wow. Wow. Tell us. Describe to us what an all-terrain chair is. There's a lot of different types. So um, there's too many to even describe here. They range mm -hmm. from um, some of them. They're kind of like a, a wheelbarrow, rickshaw kind of design. And they need two people to help move the chair around. So um, there's really great purposes for these chairs. They can get all over people have hiked the entire AT in one of these chairs. 
issue with these chairs is you can't be independent. The user is not able to just decide they want to go here or there. Uh, it doesn't have that option, but they can get into a lot of places. Um, other designs include just like big tires, kind of like a mountain bike. Those are limited in the types of things that they can maneuver over. The types of chairs that we use look like tanks. They've yeah. got tank treads and tank tires. So the tires are sort of like that triangular shape with treads. And I've gone over whole tree trunks that were felled across the trail. Um, they can go up really steep terrain. They can navigate through water, snow, sand, you name it. And the really beautiful thing about these chairs is that when used properly, they leave zero impact. So the treads allow them to sort of distribute the weight of the chair so that the chairs when used properly, don't disturb the soil. They're electric, they have zero emissions. So those are the chairs that we ultimately decided upon. They do have a assistant control. So for example, people who are not able to use joystick, who don't have that option, they there is the option that someone can ride, stand and walk next to them and operate the um, little joystick on the side so that people of all ages and abilities can use these chairs. Oh, wow. That's great. So you, you basically, you found the right chairs. Now you were saying before that you don't want to do it on boardwalks or on, on streets. So where, where did you decide to, uh, to place these chairs? Where, where, where can you ride them? How do you access them? So the hardest part was getting in touch with the powers that be in our departments of natural resources. Mm. And when we finally made those connections, Georgia DNR was more than happy. They have a heart for accessibility. That's a huge mission of theirs. So they were thrilled that we wanted to step in and help with that. So our chairs are currently available in the Georgia State Parks. And we just recently have also started placing chairs in the national park systems in Georgia. And very soon, folks in Georgia will be able to use these chairs at any Georgia state or national park that is appropriate for a chair. Right now, we currently have uh, 15 parks, and we're about to expand and add about six more, and we're adding a van. So this is a, a recent development. We got a grant for a van, so we'll actually be able to move the chairs around which will allow us to incorporate more parks. So we'll be able to cover more parks than we have chairs and move them from park to park as reservations are made. Wow, that's great. That's great. When I was on your site and I was looking at the all-terrain chairs, it became obvious that there need to be some sort of, of training to make sure that everybody was safe on that. And I guess uh, you came to that conclusion long before I did. So uh, tell us about uh, the whole process there. I said, okay, how do we keep the safety? How do we, how do we, how do we make this safe? Uh, how do you, how do, how do you approach that? Amy? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there's, a, there are other programs popping up that are similar to ours, but what really sets ours apart is our commitment to safety because mm -hmm. I'm a social worker in trade. I know how important it is that if we're going to take risks, we need to do proper preparation and make sure that there is informed consent and that we're sort of considering every possibility. And so we have two main goals with our training and certification program. One being, well, I'll, I'll make it three main goals. 
One of our main goals is making sure that the people who need the chairs are the ones reserving them. So the first step in the process is for folks to submit to us their proof of ID and proof of disability. And we're really open to the definition of the word disability. We're not here to define for people whether or not they have a disability, but we do put it on the users to show us that they need to use the chair. And so that could be a um, placard that they have an accessible placard on their vehicle. It could be a doctor's note or just an explanation of what they're going through. And this is just to keep like teenagers off the chairs from playing around. So once we know that the people do need to use the chair and they do have a, some form of qualified disability, then we have our learning. We have our platform, which allows us to provide the training and our training covers our other two goals. So our goals are one, the safety of the participants. We do not want people getting hurt on our chairs or out on the trails. People with disabilities have already been through so much. We do not want to add to that on their plate. So we wanna make sure that people know what is off limits in our chairs and how to use the chairs within their limitations and safely. So we go over quite a bit around how much of an incline is okay, what are the safety zones? Where can one take the chairs within each park? We go over how to use the chairs, how to people can adjust seating so it's comfortable and safe and people aren't getting pressure sores or blisters or bruises on our chairs. So safety of the participants is of utmost importance. We wanna make sure nobody gets hurt so that we can keep doing this program for a very long time. And our third main goal is the safety of the soil and of the ecology. I am a nature lover. I do not want this program to destroy or damage the soil in any way. A main goal of ours is that our children's children can enjoy our natural parks and wildlife and that this program can continue to operate for many years to come. So we do teach our participants how to use the chairs appropriately and properly. So what that kind of means for people that may not understand is we don't do zero degree turns in these chairs. Um, that will displace the soil. We teach our participants to do U-turns, to make wide turns, um, because that's the biggest way that people are going to disrupt the soil is by making a, a turn that is too sharp. We also teach folks um, what is not okay to use the chair on because maybe there's some kind of like endangered mosses at certain places in the parks or certain places in the parks that really can't take the level of weight of these chairs. Um, so we teach people not only how to protect themselves, but also how to protect the environment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so uh, let's dig into that's that's great, admirable on all all three points. Let's dig into point two, uh, since we're on the, the the talented learning. So so learning is it, it is your centralized platform that you put all learners on that that have been verified. And you talked about all the different things that you train on. Uh, What's the content look like? Uh, how does that look right now? How do, how do they take the content? How long does it take? Uh, what medium are you using? How's it working? Yep. So after they get, after they submit to us their info, we send them the link to the learning. They get okay. signed up. They become a member of our community on learning. And mm -hmm. the cool thing about learning is 
it's short bursts. It's sort of like the TikTok idea where you're getting really quick bites of information. So it's really engaging. Some of it is like PowerPoint presentations, you know, slides with actual content. Some of it is demonstration and us actually showing the chairs. Uh, we even spliced in some video from Action Track Chair that the manufacturer had. We also add in little questions that kind of like test their knowledge throughout. And at the very end, and there's like some links too. We, we input links to different pages on our website so that as they're going through the learning, they're also learning how to navigate our website. And then at the very end, they take an examination. And people can spread this out. They can do a little bit at a time. And we usually estimate to folks that it should really take no longer than one hour to complete the entire learning process and complete their final examination. So we try to keep it engaging. We are planning on actually doing some updates. Now that we've been running the program, we have a lot of dedicated users. So we want to get people with different kinds of disabilities on the chairs who can share their knowledge so it's a little bit more specific for certain people so they'll kind of understand. We do talk also about um, seating, how to bring their own equipment to make the chairs more comfortable for them. And, and we've gotten the feedback that our learnings are really engaging and that it's easy. It makes it really easy to learn how to use the chairs. Huh, cool. Cool. And so part of learning then uh, is is the ability for the community themselves, not just the leaders like yourselves, but the, the community themselves to upload their own videos and then share that through the broader community. Is that right? That's that right. Yes. Our, and we're really looking forward to expanding that in the next year so that not only can people in our community submit videos and share and we can add that to our safety certification process, but also mm -hmm. let's say you're on one of our chairs in the park and a tree has felled that you cannot get over. Well, we think uh, it would be super cool that people would be able to take a video, submit it to our community, not only to inform other users of possible obstacles, but also that we could then send over to Department of Natural Resources so they know to send some of their team out to correct that problem. Well, cool, cool. And so there's the difference between a micro learning social platform and an LMS, uh, essentially, is, is that two-way nature of of um yeah the two-way nature basically of of the community aspects of it yeah and there's like so much more that we could expand into also you know we have a autobahn society the bird watchers they love our program and we think it would be so cool for them to be able to submit birds that they're hearing or birds that they're seeing or for people wow. to submit images of wildlife videos of the trails to get other people excited and help them determine where they want to go based on what their interests are and what they'd like to see yeah yeah cool that's a great idea uh, that that's 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 fantastic. And so, what about the uh, uh, in, in terms of you know this sounds pretty expensive. Uh, the, you know the chairs. Uh, I live on a farm, and so anytime I look at equipment, I'm like, ooh, that probably costs a lot. And uh, so, there's probably a lot of ways that people can help you uh, or, or do help the organization. How do you go about that? Is it uh, volunteers? Is it donations? Is it grants? Is it all of the above? Tell tell, tell us how our listeners can help. Yep. All of the above. Um, we 
probably have like 50% grant monies, 50% donations from just regular people who give us $20. Um, it all adds up. So folks can definitely go to our website to give, or if folks have corporate connections and want to help us apply for grants or, or get us connected cool. there, we welcome that. And we always need volunteers and volunteers can come be part of our volunteer committee, help us with our events, be on our board of directors. We're always looking for committed people with special skills for our board or to be buddies. So I know from being a nature lover that if you're going to be doing something risky outside, don't do it alone. So we have a buddy requirement. And I was very surprised to learn that a major obstacle for some of our users was not having a buddy. So now we have a volunteer database and people in certain regions near parks sign up to be a buddy. And then we call them if somebody reaches out and needs a buddy to go hiking with them. And our volunteers really love just getting the opportunity to help other people get outdoors that otherwise wouldn't be able to. Wow, that's great. That's great. What are our learners uh, saying about the content and its effectiveness? Are you hearing any feedback? Yes. And it's not only from our learners, it's also from the state parks. You know, one of our concerns and one of their concerns at first was how much was going to be required by the state parks. They're already stretched pretty thin. Their staff doesn't have a lot of time, but the process has been so seamless because our users get there. They already know how to adjust the chairs. They've got with them any supplies that they need to make those adjustments. They know exactly what to do, exactly what the rules are. So both our learners and the state park staff has said that um, they know they know exactly what to do, and that's helping everybody to make this project more sustainable. Wow, cool! How about some demographics, Amy? Uh, number of chairs. Number you said parks are ready. I guess number of chairs, number of people in your community, and where you're trying to take it. Where, yep. you, where you think so? This like I said, right now we're sitting at 15 chairs. Um, three of those chairs are not on our website just yet because we're still kind of working out their safety, the safety zone. So we actually go out and map every single park. And that was the most fun part of my job. Is I, <laughs> I bet. All the parks and say, I'd be like, I think we need to map this one more time. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, the most fun was recently out at Cumberland Island National Seashore. I got to camp out there and map that park. Um, so We'll soon be incorporating, we just put in an order for nine more chairs, uh, which will get us about six more parks. And then once we have our van, we should be able to cover as many of the 64 Georgia State Parks that are appropriate for a chair and an ample number of the wildlife management areas, which Georgia has over 300. So we hope to incorporate a good number of those as well. The biggest limiter will be how quickly can we get out there and map them all, because we're talking about acres and acres and acres. And we now have over 700 certified users. And I'll add that we just launched our program publicly one year ago. So in one year, we have certified over 700 people. And we expect that number to just increase from here. So you talked about uh, the last time of, uh, you know, you're not selfish with this, uh, with this content. And you know that because you're doing this volunteer that you can't do this in all the states. So what is your plans? You have some plans, I guess, hard and soft of how you can expand this program to states other than Georgia. Could you comment on that a little bit, please? Absolutely. As I mentioned, we are altering Georgia. That is the name of our program. So first we want to get Georgia completely set up 
And after that, our next plan is to go into North Carolina, which is where I currently live. I moved from Georgia to Asheville, North Carolina, a little under a year ago. And in the meantime, you know, we want to keep expanding to other states. We do not currently have the manpower to do that. But what we offer is we give our program manuals away for free. All of our content is available to nonprofits in other states who wish to start a program in their state or in their country if people internationally want to do something similar. So we do Zoom calls, kind of help onboard folks help them understand what our process has been. And we believe that we have created a program that can be replicated anywhere. What'd you learn? Uh, so now you're, you're a few years into this. What, what's your best advice to, I guess, not only these other states or countries that might be following you, but I guess learning professionals in, in, in general. Anything that you learned that uh, you wish you would have done differently or uh, any advice you can share? It takes a village. <laughs> There's a good advice. Whether it be creating the learning, creating the content, determining um, what works, you know, it really is a group effort. And I wish that I had delegated more. At an earlier point, we could probably be way further along than we are. Um, I can be a little stubborn and I can be a little <laughs> perfectionist. Uh, I own three businesses and there's only so much I can do. So we're really excited because we just hired our first CEO. I've been offering my time for free for the past decade and not drawing a salary. But I believe that once we bring on the CEO and what we've already seen is we're going to be able to get so much more accomplished by by bringing others onto the team who can really diligently single pointedly focus on this. Wow, great. Amy, sage advice. Thank you for stopping by today and sharing your time with three businesses. I know you don't have a lot of it. <laughs> so it's it's great to to hear your story and uh, all the good that you're doing for everybody. So congratulations. And thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thanks so much for having me. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, listeners, you can go to the amycopelandfoundation.org. That's Amy with an A-I-M-E-E -E, uh, type of Amy Copeland. And uh, from there, you can donate, you can sign up to volunteer, you can do all kinds of things to help. And I encourage you to do so. And listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Talented Learning Show. It's great to have you here. and We hope to see you on the next. You can find more of our independent information at talentedlearning.com. Have a great day, everyone.